We'll start in verse number one. The word of the Lord says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful for the word of God, the Logos. Lord God, we thank you for Rhema. For Lord, if you will speak, Lord Jesus, and allow us to receive a fresh word, we will be grateful. And Lord God, we're already grateful and thankful for the Logos. Now, Lord Jesus, let the word of God become a part of us. That, Lord Jesus, we can be transformed and be what you've chosen us and called us to be. I pray that this atmosphere will be charged by the divine presence of the Almighty God and that what transpired here will be supernatural today. Lord, we don't have the strength, we don't have the power to change things and to bring about the results that you desire. But Lord, we know if we will worship you and praise you, if we will allow you to, to consume us and envelop us, Lord, if we allow your spirit to fill us, Lord God, then Lord, we can achieve the things that you will do through us. And so God, we yield ourselves to you and we ask, uh, let the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost uh, be manifested and let lives be touched that we can never be deceived. Lord, enlighten us according to your spirit. What thus saith the Lord, God, I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for salvation. I pray that somebody will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and somebody will receive, Lord God, strength for their journey. And somebody, oh God, will turn from their ways, oh God, that will take them to a place of destruction and turn towards you. Lord, have your way to Today, bless this service in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I love you. I honor you. There is none like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. You are the omniscient God. You know all things. And Lord, we bow before you this morning. We want you to know, Lord God, you are the center of all that will transpire here. We live and move in you, Lord God. And so, Lord, whatever you do, that's what will be done. Because we can't do anything of ourselves, Lord God. Will you do what you desire and what you wish in the name of Jesus Christ? Have your way today, Lord. Uh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Our life experiences will cause us to prove whether we have faith or we don't. Life experiences. I know sometimes life experiences can be tough, but they are the things that prove our faith. 
They're the things that allow us to understand where we are concerning our walk with God and how much faith do we have. We cannot be sure we have faith until life's adverse circumstances challenge us to either trust God or not. I'll say that again. We cannot be sure we have faith until life's adverse circumstances challenge us to either trust God or not. And guess what? We will not trust God if we don't know who he is. Hmm. We don't trust what we think. We trust what we know. We don't trust what we think. We trust what we know. To a detriment, I may add, there are people that get locked up. They go to jail and do time. And while they're in jail, they say, I'll never do that again. I just can't live that lifestyle again. And they get out of jail and they come home and for a month or six weeks or even eight weeks, three months, ah, they're doing good. But after a while, and the cops knows this, they go back to what they used to do. Why do you think that is? It's what they know. So we trust what we know even to our detriment. We don't trust what we think. With that saying, I'm sure we probably want to go back now and start examining our relationship with the Lord and say, do we really know him? Or do we just say we know him? Do we really know the Lord? Because when you know the Lord, trust, I'm not talking about trusting God when you don't have a choice. That's not trust. When you don't have a choice, you just say, well, nothing I can do. We'll see what happens. But when you have a choice to trust them or not, and you trust them, that tells where you are in knowing him. So don't mix up. Not having a choice with trusting. It's like submission. Submitting to someone don't mean I'm going to do what you say do because I agree with you. And that's what we sometimes call submission. Because I agree with you, I'm good with that. I'll do what you say. Submission is when you don't agree with the authority in your life, but you still do what they say. It starts with God Almighty, and it goes down to spiritual leadership, and even in our personal lives of who is in our lives that we say we give them charge over our life. And so, even with the Lord, we don't always agree with him. Come on, it's okay, that's not blasphemous. We don't always agree with the Lord. Sometimes God is saying, this week, I want you to fast a couple days. What you talking about, Lord? I'm getting ready to... Have a nice good dinner for the next couple of days. You're talking about fasting. We don't always agree with Jesus. But if we're going to live a life of submission, we said, Lord, I had this whole plan this week. But if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. That's submission. Submission is agreeing and submitting to the authority in your life when you don't agree. Trusting God is when you trust him, 
even when you had another choice. Even when you were smart enough and intelligent enough to figure it out and say, I think I could do this. You said, nope, I'm trusting God. Yes. I believe many people have a false sense of knowing God, saying they know God, or who they think God is. There's nothing wrong with that today if you're here and you feel like, man, we ought to preach a sound. I got to examine myself and wonder and look into this and see if I really know God or do I think I know God. It's nothing, to, it's nothing wrong with feeling that way because this is too important to not deal with it truthfully. There are people that have come to church for years and realize my God. I remember the story a preacher told about a woman that was in this church for years. She went to a camp meeting, and I mean, power of God was moving. She was young in church. She went, and they're praying with her for her to receive the Holy Ghost, and she lifted her hands and the person that was praying with her said, she's got it. She's got the Holy Ghost. They thought they heard her spoken tongues. They said she had the Holy Ghost. Well, lady went on to live for God for years. I mean, 40 years in church, serving the Lord, doing whatever she did. And the day came where she had got sick and went in the hospital. And while she was in the hospital, she had this worried concern in her life, when her pastor came and visited her, she said, Pastor, i got to say something to you. He says, what's that? She said, all these years that I've been living for God, I knew I didn't have the Holy Ghost, and I just went with the flow for what the person said that prayed with me. And so I, I, I just didn't. And so I was just embarrassed to say I didn't. And I just kind of let it slide. And I just kind of went with the flow for all these years. But now that I'm getting ready to die, it's reality, and i got to make sure I have it. And so the pastor said, no problem. Lift your hands right now. She was in the hospital. He prayed for her. She received the Holy Ghost. Years, you know, days later she died, and obviously she went to heaven. But, but the point is, we can't allow pride. We can't allow what we think people will think to stop us from seeking God for what we need from God. We have to go before the Lord and say, God, I need you to move in my life. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we need to say, God, I need you to fill me with the Holy Ghost so I know for sure. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I want to have the Holy Ghost like the Bible says. And the Bible says when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke with tongues. Mm -hmm. The writer of Hebrews says, we have these witnesses, these cloud of witnesses as proof, who demonstrated faith and obtained a good report even though they did not receive the promise. Pretty interesting stuff right there. We'll talk about that in a second. Faith, listen to me carefully, faith is not about you believing God for your reward or your blessing. That's, that's the way we receive and, and, and process faith. If I believe, 
If I trust God, I will receive this. I will receive that. I need you to move away from that. Because what faith is really about is faith will reveal who God says he is when you demonstrate faith. Faith will will demonstrate, reveal who God says he is when you demonstrate faith. So for, the, for, for our life, we're saying, I trust God because we want God to do something. Will God do? Yes. I preach to you and teach to you to try to help you understand what I like to say is the ways of God. Not, not traditionalism. I'm trying to get you away from traditionalism. Traditionalism causes us to quit sometimes. Traditionalism causes us to give up sometimes. I'm giving you the source or the resources that will make you say, I know this thing and I'm not giving up and I know how to live this thing. So when you understand that faith reveals who God says he is, then that changes the game on how you approach faith. You're not just coming to the altar and crying to God, God, will you make this possible? Will you do this for me? Will you do that for me? If we go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, or the hall of faith, you will see all the great things that God did, it manifests his glory. The wall of Jericho came down, but what was that for? So they could see how powerful our God is. He parted the Red Sea so they could see how powerful our God is. And God do these great things because of faith. But the bottom line is God is trying to get the world to see who he is when we demonstrate faith. So you want God to move, have faith. But don't make it selfish because nothing about God, ah, help me, Lord, nothing about God is selfish. And when we try to pursue God with a selfish mentality, it doesn't work. And so if faith is becoming selfish, if you analyze how you claim faith is to you and it makes it selfish, then you got to reexamine what faith is to you. Because faith can't be selfish. Faith will demonstrate The glory of God. When God's glory is demonstrated, more people have the opportunity to be saved. Do we understand that? So so God is not trying to be this pompous guy saying, hey, I want everybody. No, 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 no. He loves us so much that he wants us to be saved. He He wants to reach the world. He said it's not his will that anybody should be lost. It is not his will that any should perish, but that all will be saved. And so when the glory of God is revealed in the earth, then more people get an opportunity to say, I want to know about this Jesus. I want to pursue this Jesus. I know if Jesus can do that, then maybe he can do this for me. And that's why God want to reveal his glory in the earth. It's not for him to be glorified to say, look who I am. It's for him to be glorified so we can say, I want to be saved and he can save me. That's why God wants to reveal. So when you demonstrate faith, 
God's power, who he is, is revealed. And now, not only do you receive what you wanted, because you still do get what you want, somebody else could know who he is. And that's so. That's what God is all about. Not only will you get what you want, but somebody else will get what they need. And so when we have faith, it will bless us, and it will bless others, and God will be glorified. Mm. These witnesses in Hebrew who demonstrated faith experienced great victory and deliverance. They stood fast in their faith regardless of life's adverse circumstances. But the Bible says they did not receive the promise. Mm -hmm. They did not receive the promise. They did not get to experience what we're experiencing today. What is that that we're experiencing today? We're experiencing what they call a new covenant. The old covenant was really hard. And today there's a new covenant that we're living by. And all those people had faith even in the old covenant. And today we've got a new covenant. And so when we demonstrate faith, it's not like ever before. The way we live for God is not like ever before because God is doing a new thing. It's the new covenant that we're under today and not the old covenant of law. What does that covenant consist of? They never get to hear about or experience the Messiah present. They heard that there was going to be a Messiah coming. They knew that there was going to be a Messiah coming. But they died before the Messiah appeared. Now, we weren't present over 2,000 years ago when the Almighty God became man and came through the, 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 the Virgin Mary and, and was born into this world. We, we weren't present, but guess what? We're living in the time that he had come where God himself, the Almighty God, who is all-powerful and created everything, we're living in the time where we know that one day he manifested himself because uh, when, he, when, when we first knew about God, God was known as a spirit. And so when we first knew God, we couldn't really know God. But God had determined that one day we will come to know him. And the way we will come to know him is by him manifesting himself and walking in this earth and being one of us so we can see him. He knew that one day he would make himself knowable to us, not by spirit, but by human. And the Almighty God became man and he made sure he didn't circumvent the process to come into this world. He says, I'm coming in that world. I will be like one of you, but I will still be the Almighty who created. I'm coming to you. So you can know me and so I can experience what you experienced. Those people that had faith and died that didn't receive the promise, they don't know anything about that. No, they don't. But we do. And remember what I've been saying about that, just knowing that. What's so hard to trust about that God? 
Just knowing that. What do I say all the time? God could have just manifested himself as a man in heaven and just fell out the sky. He could have just jumped from heaven to the earth. I'm going to become a man now, and I'm just going to jump down from out of heaven into the earth. But that's not what he did. He established the laws, and he obeyed the laws. This is what's going to be very difficult for us, because God was the one that created the laws, and when he came, he obeyed the laws. And for us, we don't have a way to excuse ourselves why we didn't obey the laws, his word. So they didn't get a chance to, to, to hear about or to know that the Messiah had come. They, they didn't get that chance. The other thing that they didn't get a chance to experience is the permanent forgiveness of sin based on the atonement because of the death of Jesus Christ. They still experience you had to go to the priests. They didn't get to experience what we're experiencing now. We're right now today. We can just, Lord Jesus, you're present everywhere. You can hear me right now. And Lord, I have sinned. And Lord, I ask that you will forgive me of my sins. I repent, Lord God, and I turn from my ways of ungodliness. I turn from my ways of sin, and I turn unto you for the ways of righteousness. Father, will you hear my cry this morning? I sincerely ask that you will help me and that you'll deliver me from my sins. In Jesus' name. They didn't have that. They had to wait once a year. They had to go to the priests. All of this ritualistic stuff that they had to go through. They never experienced what we're experiencing. So they died not having, receiving that. And the third thing they didn't experience was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of God strived with them in the olden days. So the Spirit of God was among them, but they were not infilled with the Spirit. The first time anyone was ever filled with the Spirit was Acts chapter 2. And so we have that opportunity. And so many of us today have received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They died without those things in the new covenant. But the good news was, or is, they still had their faith. They, they didn't have what we have today, but they still kept the faith. They didn't experience what we've experienced today, but they still held on and they still pursued God. They still trusted God. What should we do today? Listen, I want you to look at your neighbor now. I'm going to get you in trouble. Look at your neighbor now and say to them, lose the weight. Uh-oh. Look, look, at, look at your other neighbor and say, lose the weight. I knew I was going to get some people in trouble this morning. <laughs> the Christian race, we are in, or if we're not in it, that we need to get in. Did you hear that? 
the Christian race that we're in or we need to get in if we're not in is not a sprint but a long distance race requiring endurance and persistence. There are all sorts of obstacles when you're running this race. God help us this morning. You're running this race and there's going to be, it's almost like an obstacle course. Mm -hmm. These obstacles that are in our way as we're running is trying to stop us, get us to quit, to stop running this race. But I'm here to tell you, those men and women of God that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says they had faith and they had obstacles as well and they had challenges as well and they had to run that race just like we have to run this race today. And guess what? They finished that race and the Bible says they had a good report. That's why they're mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith because they kept the faith and they kept on running. And we have the example today to say no matter what kind of obstacles I'm battling, no matter what kind of thing is thrown in front of me as I'm trying to run, I read about some men and some women in Hebrews and they kept the faith and they didn't have the Holy Ghost and they kept the faith and they didn't experience the Messiah and they kept the faith and they had to go to the priest to get their sins forgiven. What should I do? I've got a built-in system that's better than theirs. I need to keep the faith. The obstacle course, the race that we're running. We can't stop running. Our faith has to reveal God to our world. Our faith has to reveal God to the world. I remember Nebuchadnezzar. I remember him saying, this is this is what I always remember. It sticks in my mind when I read that book. Daniel, God is God. You see what I mean? Daniel, God is God. Why? Because Daniel God did something that nobody else God could do. Daniel God did something that the false gods couldn't do. Daniel God did things that nobody else could do. And so God is calling us uh, as his people to say, just, just, just have faith. Uh, just have faith and keep running that race. Uh, because as you run it uh, and you keep going, uh, people are going to say, uh, oh, you Barry's God is God. Anna's God is God. Isaiah God is God. Oh, people are going to look at your life and say, your God is God. I want to know who he is. Where do you go to church? Because your God is God. And what he does, I ain't Never seen nobody else do. We got to keep the faith. And so we're in this race. I got to tell you, church, it's worth running this race no matter what. The best is yet to come. God made promises as 
our as our world continued to evolve and exist. God, there's promises that God made, and here I am here to tell you today, the best promise of it all is yet to come. He has done great things throughout the years. He has done mighty things throughout the years. He has made great promises and always kept his promise and, and always came through, but I'm here to tell you, this church today is going to experience the greatest promise of all the greatest promise of all because this people and this church today God promised you one day will be like me you one day will be like me you one day will be caught up to meet me in the air you one day will be my bride There is no greater promise than to become like Jesus. And he said that one day we will become like him. And so all the struggles in running this race, all the obstacles that are being thrown out that we have to get past, it's all worth it because the best is yet to come. And as hard as it is right now, the day will come back when you will say, I'm glad I kept going. I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm glad I kept running. I'm glad I kept trusting God. Because look at me now. Look at what God has done. I'm running and I'm not quitting. I'm running and I'm not stopping. The best is yet to come. We're running this race. We're running. We can't quit. And the Bible talks about running this race with patience. Some of us are impatient or at times impatient. So if you're not just impatient, period, you have your times where you're impatient. And so the only thing to remedy when you're impatient is to let some trials take place in you trying to be impatient. And at some point in time, guess what you got to say? All right, all right, all right. Let me take a couple steps back because you're impatient trying to get it done. You're impatient just trying to work it out, and it's just not working, and problems popping up here and problems popping up there and problems over here and problems over here and God allowing all these problems to pop up because this race has to be ran with patience. You can't just run it however you want. You can't just breeze through it. You're not going to be Usain Bolt just running and nothing can stop you. No, there's going to be some situations and there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some problems. But God says that all you got to do is keep the faith. Uh-huh. Yeah. The word race is translated striving our Christian life is compared to a marathon which require intense effort and even some pain yeah intense effort and pain it's nothing wrong with crying when it gets hard I watch athletes cry because they are just doing everything they can to to be the best at what they do. And they work hard. And, 
and they push themselves. Sometimes they get hurt along the way. And they cry, oh man, I can't believe this happened to me. Tearing Achilles or something, and they just lose it because they're, like, they're crying. It's an obstacle. They have to go and get operated on and, 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 and get rehabilitated and get strong again. And you don't always know if you're going to make it back. They all had confidence and they're all positive. But I'm sure, because I know humans, the thoughts pop in to say, will you ever be like you used to be? Will you ever become that player that you used to be, that runner that you used to be? So those things pop into their mind because they're human. But like the athlete, the guy that's running or the gal that's running, we too are running. And when we tear an Achilles, oh, it might hurt a little bit. We might even have to cry a little bit. But I'm here to tell you the good news is we've got Jesus on our side, and he's the greatest physician. We've got Jesus on our side, and he's the greatest way maker. We've got Jesus on our side, and he is the best at everything. He's the best surgeon. He's the best healer. He's the best deliverer. We've got Jesus on our side, and he is the best at everything. So when you go through some struggles, and when you go through some pain, and when you go through some circumstances that hurt you, that slow you down, just understand who's on your side. Just understand who you serve. Just understand who your God is. Because God is all powerful. The best is yet to come. And so, we understand that this race that we're in is a challenge. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be things that we have to deal with in order to make it through, in order to keep going. We have to realize that these things will happen. But guess what? We've got God on our side. We've got, listen, the race that we're running, we can't lose except if we quit. We can't lose except if we stop. And God is here to tell us today that don't you stop now. You've come too far. You've invested too much to decide that you're going to quit, to decide you're going to turn back, to decide you're going to stop running. God wants you to know you've come too far. I don't care if you've only been going to church six months. I don't care if you've only been going to church for a year or two years or ten years. God wants you to know you've come too far to stop. Stop now. You've invested too much to stop now. You've got to look at the obstacles and look at your problems and say, God, help me because I'm going to finish my race. I'm going to finish my race. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to finish my race. Yeah, tell your other neighbor, I'm going to finish my race. Oh, I'm here to help you today. You're going to finish your race. You're going to finish your race. Don't let, don't let anybody tell you anything. You're going to finish your race. I'm sure today I'm preaching to you because the devil been whispering in your ears. Trials and tribulation and struggles that have come your way. The devil been whispering in your ears to try to tell you maybe you need to do this. Or maybe you need to do that. Or maybe you need to try this. Or maybe you need to try that. Well, I'm here to tell you, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. His hand 
hand is not too short uh, that he can't reach you. Uh, Jesus uh, is Almighty God sitting on the throne. Uh, he is unstoppable. And wherever you are, he can reach you. All you got to do uh, is stand uh, and say, Jesus, uh, I don't know where to go. Uh, I don't know where to turn. Uh, I need help. Uh, and I can only look to you. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Come on, give the Lord some praise in this place. Lift your voice and let God know you trust Him. Let God know you trust Him. Let God know you're standing on His Word. Let God know you're standing on His promises. Lord, we trust you. From the mere fact you're here today, from the mere fact you're here today, it tells me God is trying to let you know, I got you, brother. I got you, sister. From the mere fact that you're here, God is saying, I have your back. I have you covered. I know sometimes you're wondering, me, God, I don't feel like nothing is going on in my life. I feel like I messed up so bad that you could care less about my life. But I'm here to tell you, God wants you to know he cares about you. That's why you're here today. He cares about your situation. He cares about your struggle. He cares about your obstacles. He wants you to know there is not one person here that God has turned an eye from. There's not one person here that God has turned his back on. There's not one person here that God is not ready to stretch his hand and help you. There's not one. There's not one. There's not one. You can't mess up enough for God to say, I'm going to turn my back on you. you. You can't do bad enough for God to say, I've tried too much. You got to run this race. Tell your neighbor, you got to run this race, neighbor. We got to keep on running. We got to keep on running. We got to keep on running. It's a marathon. It's, 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 it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. There's going to be some obstacles. I got to keep on running. I got to keep on going. I got to keep on going. You got to keep on going. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the circumstance is. You got to keep on going. God, God will help you if you just keep on going. Listen, we, we know that we're in a marathon. Yes. We know that we must put in effort and endure some pain. But guess what? I need you to understand today. You got to lose the weight that you're carrying. You got to lose the weight that you're carrying. Again, tell your neighbor, lose the weight. Uh, lose the weight, lose the weight, lose the weight, lose the weight. We're not taking a jab at you. We're not taking a shot at you. We're not telling you too fat or not. We're not saying any of that. That's not what we're talking about here today. <laughs> Lose the weight, lose the weight, lose the weight. <laughs> and so we got to stop carrying the weight around. Uh-huh. We, we, we can't finish the race carrying this weight around. Uh-huh. 
We can't just keep running with all this weight weighing us down, weighing us down. We're trying to run, but we we almost, some of us jogging, some of us speed walking, and some of us flat out just dragging because of the weight. And we're trying to make it because of the weight. The weight is weighing us down. But I read in the scripture where Jesus said, cast all your care on me. Don't he? He said, cast all your care on me. You see, Satan does everything he can to overload us with the baggage of the world and the entangling of the cares of this life. You got to realize the devil sometimes understands that 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 dude seems like his mind is made up. Yeah, I don't look like he's going to quit. That sister right there, she's determined. Look at her. I don't think she's going to quit. So when he has determined that, you won't quit. Let me just load them up with some weights. Maybe that'll, that'll mess them up a little bit more. All right, so they won't quit. They're going to keep on pushing. But you know what I'm going to do? Make them ineffective. You're not going to be effective. I, I'm just going to weigh you down that every time pastor say, uh, let's 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 go feed the homeless. Every time pastor said, let, let's start this recovery program. Every time pastor said, we need people to play music and we need people to be ushers and we need, uh, I want to do that, but I got this going, pastor, I got that going. Oh, oh, somebody, don't get quiet on me now. I know what I'm saying. This is the Holy Ghost. This is not me anymore. Oh, we, 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 we want to do something and we know we should do something. But every time we hear it, somehow we get a communication in our mind that says, well, you know you got this. Well, you know you got to do that. Well, you don't have the time to do that. And you can't stay late. And you can't come on your off days because you got to do this and you got to do that. Guess what? He might not stop you from running this race. He might not stop you from keep on going. But he's shown up will make you ineffective. Will make you begin to drag yourself. And if you drag yourself long enough, you will get tired and weary. And you will stop. I want you to know today, you got to tell the devil, I'm not taking those baggage. I'm not taking the weight you're putting on me. I am going and I'm running without all this weight weighing me down. Oh, help me, Jesus. He's trying to weigh you down. See, you're in church this morning. Why? Because he said, I can't stop them. You're here this morning. He knows deep down in your heart you want Jesus. He knows that you want to make it to heaven. He knows you want to live a good life. He knows that. And he knows you're motivated to do it. He knows you will put the effort in. But he said, I got to make you ineffective. And if I make you ineffective, then maybe I can get you to quit. Maybe I can get you to stop running and start walking. Because when you start walking, sooner or later, guess what you do? Yeah, you stop. Uh, we run. Those of you that are runners, we know we, we run when the race is over. What we do, we jog, then we slow down and we stop and we start walking because they tell you walk it off, walk it off. Just don't stop. Walk it off. Walk it off. Some of the ones that even the big time ones, they, they roll when they get done running and they do this. I hear them. That's not it. You got to keep walking. 
You don't stop running and just, just stop right there. You kept running, then you walk it off, walk it off, walk it off, walk it off. And then after you walk it off, maybe you can sit in the stretch position. But you're not supposed to just get done running and just stop and sit. Some of them do because they're tired, exhausted, all that stuff. But the bottom line is, we're um, Lloyd when I need him. <laughs> you tell Lloyd I needed him this morning when I was preaching. Please don't forget. Tell Lloyd, Pastor needs him. I was preaching and I needed some inspiration from him. <laughs> Lloyd, their oldest son is a track coach. And so they, 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 they run and they just slow down and then they walk it off. The devil is trying to load us up so we can't run. He's trying to load us up that if we're running that we slow down. He's trying to load us up so we can just stop flat out quit. But Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Ah. You can be rested in God while you're still running. <laughs> I know the devil thought he had you, but here today, God wants you to know you can still rest in God while you're running. Uh, the devil wants you to think, uh, oh, you got to keep running and you won't get any rest. Uh, but Jesus wants you to know you can rest while you're running. Uh, you just got to be in him. Take my yoke upon you uh, and learn of me. <laughs> learn of him. For my, for I am meek and lowly and in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul. In Jesus Christ, you will find rest. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can find rest for your soul in Christ. You can run this race, not walk, not jog. You can run this race and still find rest while you're running. Preacher, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. Right? So the only way we'll find rest is when we're in Christ. Let me tell you something to help you a little bit. Don't stone me. But a lot of times, we continue the race weighted down. We continue the race with the obstacles and the weights that we should not have because of pride. What do you mean by that, preacher? I've presented myself as one that seemed to have it together and get it done. And so, even though I'm struggling, nobody knows. But I have to let them see me getting it done. So every time they see me, they see that, yeah, she got it together. Yeah, he got it together. And so every time they see me, they, it's, it, it looks like I'm doing it. But I'm burdened down. I'm not telling anybody. It is killing me, this weight. But every time I step out the house and I start walking, people see me, it's just this air about me. They think I got it together. And so your pride say, if I ever fold, man, I'm going to look like I'm just, I'm not going to look good. Because everybody thought I had it together. Now that it's not together, I'm going to look like, for lack of a better word, like we like to say, I'm going to look like a scrub. So now, 
you just keep on carrying the weight around. You keep on carrying the weight around. You got to be Superman. You got to be Superwoman. And keep carrying the weight around. And it's all a pride thing. We can't serve Jesus and pride reigns in our life. Won't happen. The Bible says he humbled himself. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The Alpha and Omega. The Creator. The beginning and the end. He, he humbled himself. You tell me he had to humble himself? For what? He just could walk around with his shoulders just square and wide and walk with his swag like, I dare somebody say something. I blew the breath into man, so man became a living soul. I created the heavens and the earth all by myself. So he can walk around with swag and didn't have to humble him. But the Bible says he humbled himself. And so before we leave today, I pray that you will forget about people looking at you as the strength and have it all together. And you just don't care. I don't care what you listen. Oh, man, I tell, when you get God in your life the way he needs to be in there, you just don't care what anybody think of you. You ain't trying to defend or protect any areas of your life, man. I'm, I, I'm t- I can say it because I, I made the transition. I remember when, you know, you go back and visit my, um, go investigate my past. I had a reputation, so I had to uphold that reputation all the time. And so that's how I live my life. I got to uphold my reputation. And I tried to do that when I came to church. And I realized it held me back (laughs) in Christ. So when you try to uphold a reputation in Christ, it holds you back from fulfilling your call in God. It holds you back from being who God wants you to be. If you want to come to church and and repent of your sins uh, and get baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with his spirit and live a holy and righteous life, if you want to do that and still worry about your reputation, you will not get any further than right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a reputation for a minute there, trying to hold it on, hold on to that reputation. Until I had to get to a place, I said, I just don't care what they think about me. I just want to please Jesus. I don't care if they see my faults. I just want to please Jesus. I don't care if they talk about me. I just want to please Jesus. I don't care how I look in this area. I just want to please Jesus. Because I realize we all have strength and weaknesses, and we all don't have it together. There's no person in this room that is all together, have it together. Only Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, have it together. None of us have it together. That's why he calls us the body of Christ. Let your finger try being in existence by itself and tell me how that works. No part of the body have it all together. Every part of the body needs the other part to function. Every part. That's why he called us the body of Christ. So that right away, by definition, tells you none of us have it together. We all need each other. We'll never make it by ourselves. We'll never make it trying to be independent. We'll never make it trying to say, I've got it all together. We never will. The only time we're going to make it is when we say, you can see my weakness. It's okay. I'm okay with it. I'm not worried about nobody seeing my weakness. I'm not worried about it. Yep. I've been in church long enough to tell you that everybody that tried to cover up their weakness it eventually dragged them down and called them to stop running the race. I've seen it with my very own eyes. 
and the ones that is going to be like, hey, that's my that's my area of weakness right there. You know, whatever you want to do with it, do with that, whatever you want with it. However you want to talk about me in that area, go ahead. I, nothing I can do about it because it's just where I'm weak at. It's just where I don't do well at. Go ahead and do what you got to do. I'm not telling anybody in this room that where your weakness is, just, just let it stay weak. Work on everything to improve, to be a better Christian, to be a better man or woman of God. But you can't do anything about the areas that you're weak in already. That's there. It's, 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 it's there. It's glaring. Your, your weaknesses, your, you can't do anything about it. Just pray about it. Don't worry about who knows about it. We can't cover that up. We're trying to cover that up. Christ in a church. I pray to God we become that church. I believe God can do some amazing things when we become vulnerable around one another. Because just like people see your weakness, they see your strength. Don't you forget that. Just like they see your weakness, they see your strength. And if we can become honest with ourselves, with our brothers and sisters, and more importantly with Christ, oh, we're going to be a bad people. We're going to be a powerful group of people because we're not worried about our weakness and where we're, 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 we're not good at and where our, our flaws are. We're not going to worry about that because we're going to know, I got you covered. Where you're weak at, I have you covered. Where I'm weak at, you have me covered. And when we cover one another in such a way, then we won't worry about what the weaknesses are. We will just look at what we are together. We will look at our strength and say, man, oh man, I love when you open service. I love when you read the scripture. I love when you play instruments. I love when you direct the people in the parking lot. I love when you usher. I love when you do Sunday school. We're just going to love it and say, you do a great job. And I love it. And we will just support one another for what the good that we do. Then you're always going to have that one. I'm getting ready to finish up here. You're always going to have that one. Brother Wood, you know how I go. Yeah, everybody talking about he read the scripture good. Please. I remember I saw him outside screaming at his wife. That's what we do. And that's why people start defending themselves. But you know what? If you were screaming at your wife and you knew it was wrong and you went and you repent about it and you make it right with your wife, let them talk about you were screaming at your wife. They living in the past with that. Let them stay in view. You can't worry about that. Can't worry about them talking about you screaming at your wife when you had a bad moment. Just go repent about it, get it right with God and move on. Let them stay there talking about that. People talk about people like God did not give us that wonderful gift of repentance. We act like we're still in the past. What I just read. Because in the past, your sin just stayed with you until the priests work with you. Yeah, you, you mess up. That stayed with you until you go to the priest and he do the ritual stuff and that's how you get your sin. So you had to walk around with your sin for a whole year. That's how we acted now. I mess up. I can I can get it right right now. I don't have to wait for no priests. I get it right right now. So why am I walking around talking about my brother when he just got it right after he realized what he done wrong? He realized what he done wrong, so now we get, get it right. But we act like, yeah, everybody acting like he's this great orator. He reads really well. 
forget about it. Don't let that be an obstacle that stop you from running your race. There's generally two kinds of weight that find their way into our life. The weight that comes to us through life circumstances and other people. And then the weight we pile on ourselves. So I want to make this clear before I close out. There are some things, it's just a part of life. I do get that. And so you got to keep that in mind. Some of the weight that we have on us, it's just a part of life. But if you will trust the Lord Jesus, he will help you with that. And then there's some weights that we bring into our life. And those are the weights that we need to think about today to unload before we leave here today. We have to get rid of those weights, the ones that we just brought in our life. And they're just not a part of life. It's stuff that we brought in. Listen, life and circumstances are constantly changing, even though they stay the same. You'll get that tomorrow. People will come and go whether they move on or you move on. Don't let people become a permanent stumbling block to you. You'll move on and they'll move on. Or they'll get it together or you get it together. Whichever one. But don't let it become a stumbling block to you where you can't run your race. Listen to this. We have to watch out for improper priorities. Improper priorities can quickly overload us with duties, commitments, and projects that leads us from where we belong. If we are not careful, we can allow the temporal to crowd out the eternal. You want to know how to set your priority? What's eternal and what's temporal? You want to know what's priority? What's eternal? And what's temporal? Maybe I can help you a little bit. Relationships are always an eternal thing. What do you mean by that, preacher? Making sure you're right with the relationship is an eternal thing. Oh, I just messed up. You were doing good, preacher, until you got to that part. Well, I care about your soul. And I care about you being saved. I, I do. I really want you to be saved. And I want you to really have the right relationship with Christ. And relationships with each other and with the Lord is an eternal thing. It is. I got scripture, but that's Bible study that you missed. So I'm not going to teach that right now. So you want to always pay attention to relationships. How you handle them. But some other things may just be things that they're not eternal. You can think about those things. Let me use my own kids so you don't get mad at me. Listen, I'm better now because I used to be terrible. But I'm better now understanding that when my kids have stuff in school I need to attend. There was a time in my life I was so crazy for Jesus. We're not doing nothing in school if it ain't going to help you with Jesus. I'm just telling you. Ugh. I was just like, how does that help you get to heaven? Done? We're not doing that. I used to be like that. I'm not like to you. <laughs> God help me. I've become a little bit more polished now. I'm a little bit more rounded now. <laughs> the other day I went to read for my kids at school. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they didn't let me read. The, 
I probably was close by. The teacher would have probably let me do it because her past, her dad is a pastor, but I don't think the school would have allowed that. But I, I said, man, if I could just read the Bible. But, but the point is, I didn't do that with the older ones. What are you doing? They don't, that ain't helping you get to heaven. We're not doing that. I just wasn't thinking straight. Even though it was factually and, and, and it was factually true, I, I shouldn't have done that. But I'm trying to give you an example of how you set priorities. You have to look at your life and say, is this an eternal decision or is this a temporal decision? Will this make a difference in eternity or just for now? And that's how you set priorities in your life. Listen, time slipping away. If we are not careful, we can allow the temporal to crowd out the eternal. Remember this parable of the sower? You might have missed it. Let me give you some scripture real quick. Luke chapter 8, verse number 14. It says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. When, 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 when you come to church and you hear the word of God preach, hear me clearly, sometimes we can't apply the word of God in our life because the cares of life. This is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. Because you come and you can say, that was so true. That was right. Because I'm preaching the Bible, so it was true. It was right. It was, and not because I'm smart, but I'm preaching the Bible. So you will say, that's right. That's true. And you, you yeah. But you go home, you get in the car, you start your routine of what you do after church on Sunday and what you do in the evening. You start that routine and guess what? None of it was applying that you just heard preach. Why? The cares of life. And they're not all eternal cares. There are a lot of temporal cares that's getting in the way. So I'm asking you today, will you allow the Lord to move out the temporal stuff that's getting in your way so you can run your race without this weight. The, verse 15 says, but that on the good ground uh, are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with, with patience. When your priorities are set straight and your heart is right, when you receive the word of God, it moves in your life, and it helps you to be productive in God. I'm telling you, we have to get to the place where we run our race and not let anything slow us down. We have to lose the weight. We have to lose everything that will slow us down. Jesus wants us to lose the weight he did not give to us. Jesus wants us to lose the weight he did not give to us. He says, take on my yoke, my burden, because why? If you look at how uh, a yoke is situated, it's a wooden harness that goes on the mules that pull and do things. And so Jesus is saying, my shoulders are broader than yours. They're bigger than yours. That, that, that harness is on me. I just want you to follow me. And if you are following me and I'm carrying the load, how much load are you carrying? So we feel weight and we get weighed down when we do our own thing. When we do what Christ say do, you won't feel the weight. You won't feel the load. Can I tell you a little secret before I close? 
every Sunday when I get done preaching, mostly every Sunday, maybe there's a couple that I don't feel that way, but most Sundays when I walk away, while I'm preaching, I know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by the Holy Ghost. I'm rolling in the anointing of God. And then when I walk away and I finally settle down in my flesh, I get nervous. You want me to tell you why I get nervous? I ask myself, how do we repeat that next week? Because my flesh can't do it. While I'm doing it, it's not my flesh. So it's, it, it seems easy. It looks like no big deal. And then I go sit down at home and relax or go eat or whatever. And then I start worrying. How do we do this next week again, Lord? And what, what are we going to talk about? Where do I read? All this kind of stuff. You would not believe. And then the week start moving along and the Lord start doing what he does again. And I'm like, here we are Sunday again. Well, Thursday nights. And then Sunday. Because... What we do when we minister is not our weight. What we do when we do the work of God is not our burden. What we do when we do the work of God is not us carrying it. We're just supporters. We're just helpers. And God is carrying the load. God is the one that's touching your heart. God is the one that's speaking to your mind. He is doing the heavy lifting. We're just the supporting cast. Stand with me. Listen to me. Listen to me. In ancient Rome, stadium stadium runners raced almost naked. They made sure they avoided any unnecessary weight. That they would be unhindered while they run. So guess what? Today we run in spikes, you know, track shoes. Back then they were running with no shoes. Because I don't care if it's two ounces, five ounces. I don't care what the track shoes wear, um, you're wearing way. It's still weight. It's still weight. So they ran with no shoes. Because they wanted to be sure they had the least amount of weight that they were carrying. Today, as we compare ourselves to a runner in a race, we're running this spiritual, this Christian race. And we can't carry any unnecessary load. We can't carry any load that God did not give to us. And so God wants me to speak to you today on the topic of losing the weight. You're carrying around things that God says, I don't want you carrying around anymore. No need for you to carry that around. That will not help you to fulfill your purpose in me. Unload that weight. Stop carrying around that weight. Drop that weight. Get rid of it now. Get rid of it now. Get rid of that weight. Get rid of it. Jesus is speaking. If the weight is not from him, get rid of it. Get rid of it. What is that weight that you have in your life that the Lord Jesus is saying? Get rid of it. I didn't give it to you. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. I want you to say, Father, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess to you that I've been carrying around weights and sins that you did not give to me. Lord, I ask you to please forgive me for doing that. Today, I unload the weights and sins and I cast them upon you. Now, Lord, I turn from that lifestyle I was previous living, previously living and the weights that I was carrying around and the sins that I was committing and I look to you, Lord Jesus, to guide me in the life that you have in store for me. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, the scripture says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen to me. Who for the joy that was set before him. What joy was set before him? You know what joy was set before him? His bride, the church. When he went through the crucifixion, he knew that those that will repent of their sins and obey him, he knew they will become his bride. And so he looked at what was to come, not what was immediately in front of him. He looked at the eternal, not the temporal. He looked at the eternal, not the temporal. And that's why he was able to endure the cross. Because when you think about it, when he was being beaten, and carrying his cross for a little bit there. At that point, he probably should have just given up. Dropped the cross and says, I can't go any further. Not doing it anymore. But he never died until when he was hung on the cross. When they speared him in his side. So Jesus thought about and looked at what was coming down the road. His bride. So he endured the cross. Despising the shame, naked, ashamed. But he didn't worry about it, that shame. He just thought about the future, the eternal things. Verse 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. The Bible here says sinners, but I'll make it plain like this. The people who he created. The people who he was responsible for giving life to. They shamed him. They beat him. They spat upon him. They did everything to embarrass him. The Bible says we need to consider that he endured all of that. And if he endured all of that, what can't we endure? What can't we endure? As we're running this race, what can't we endure? Two things I can say Jesus looked at while he was going through it. He looked at the church, his bride, all of us being saved, but also taking his position of where he belonged on his throne. 
And he would not let anything temporal prevent him from staying in the eternal, sitting on his throne and having a church that he will bring home with him someday. And I will say to you today, we can't let the temporal stop us from the eternal. The race that we're running is a race of eternity. We finish this race and we will inherit eternal life. We will forever be with Jesus. We will be like him and we will see him as he is. That's eternal. All the struggles, all the effort, all the pain, all the mistakes, all the weaknesses, all the wrong, all that we've done. We don't have to stay there. And we don't need to make decisions based on those things because those decisions will be temporal. But that eternal look as to where you're going, as to what God has in store for you, that eternal look is what Jesus wants you to have today. Looking into eternity. Looking into eternity of where you will be. And none of this stuff that you're going through will really matter when you start looking eternally. If you keep your eyes on temporal things, then everything will matter to you. You're going to heaven one day. And can I tell you this real quick as we close? What you can't see is people's lives being changed because you kept running. What you can't see is the people that you will affect because you kept running. What you can't see is all the things that are causing you pain right now. What you can't see is the things that God will turn around because you kept running, Tony. You can't see that. Yes, you can see your life eternally with him. Yes, you can see you in heaven and having this eternal body. But what you can't see is how you will affect the people around you. What you can't see is how you will affect change all around you. God hasn't allowed you to see that. But it's happening. And all he wants you to do is keep running the race. Keep running the race. Get rid of the weights. Get rid of the things that's slowing you down. Get rid of the things that's stopping you from serving Christ. Get rid of it! And keep running the race. How about we pray one more time and worship the Lord before we get out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, if you would like, you can come to this altar and just stretch forth your hand towards heaven and just worship your God. Worship him because of who he is. Worship him for his goodness. Worship him for he alone is worthy. Lord, today we're thankful for your word. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for your instructions. We're thankful, almighty God, for your forgiveness. We're thankful, almighty God, for your deliverance. We're thankful for you reminding us, Lord God, of what's ahead, of what's eternal, and taking our minds off the temporal. Lord, we thank you for bringing our attention to the unnecessary weights that we have piled on ourselves and placed in our life. I pray today in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you have your way. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray for each and every individual in this house today that, Lord God, they will not allow, oh God, embarrassment 
or pride or ego or anything to beset them, Lord God, that they will unload every weight and every sin that so easily beset them, that they will begin to run this race with patience, that they will run and move forward, Lord God, and not worry about the temporal cares of this life. I pray today in the name of Jesus, Lord, I stretch forth my hand and I pray that the power of God will move upon every individual in this room today that they will never be the same again. That, Lord God, there will be understanding, that there will be impartation, that there will be revelation, that there will be, oh God, determination for them to say, Lord, I move forward in you today and I will unload all the weights and the sin that's so easily beset me and I will run this race with patience and trust in you and serve you. Today, almighty God, I pray that there will be a turnaround in the life of every person in this place. That their commitment to you, their surrenderance to you, oh God, their submission to you will say, Jesus, whatever you want from my life, you can have. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Today, Lord God, I turn myself to you and I turn from my ways oh God that is not pleasing and I unload the weights and I let God repent of my sins that I may move forward in you Father have your way today in the name of Jesus have your way today in the name of Jesus have your way today in the name of Jesus Lord I give you the praise and the honor for there is none like you there is none like you there is none like you you are the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Bless your people, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you will set them free today, that they will walk out of here, oh God, free from the weights, free from being burdened, free, oh God, from being, oh God, held back. I pray that there will be a liberty that will come into their life, that there will be a liberty that will overtake them. Have your way today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. There is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, you are the author and finisher of our faith. And for that, Lord God, we are so grateful and thankful. We're so grateful and thankful. We're so grateful and thankful. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Oh, somebody just love the Lord. Just love the Lord. Thank Him today. Appreciate Him. Appreciate Him. Adore Him. Oh, you're not the same anymore. You're not the same anymore. Importation took place today. Something changed in you. Something changed in you. Something changed in you. God did something different in you today. You're leaving differently. You're leaving with new perspective. You're leaving with a flow of the Spirit in your life. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah.